0: Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. I'm glad you guys have joined me at Off the Bench. Today, I am thrilled to have my brother-in-law, Ryan Choate, on the show with me today. And we're gonna talk about a topic that keeps coming up over and over again at Mailbox bunny, and that's what's going on in the military. Ryan is a retired major in the U.S. Army. And uh, we're gonna have an important conversation today. Stick around. I think you're gonna be encouraged. So I'm glad you guys have joined me today. Lots of stuff happening, by the way, at uh, MomStrong International. We are in the middle of a wonderful study there on discernment. We're talking about why it's so important that we learn not just to know God's word, but how do we filter what we learn in God's word uh, out into the culture so that we can make wise and good decisions for our families and so that we can lead our children through really what can only be described as just choppy cultural waters right now. And so you guys can check that out at momstronginternational.com. Want to say hi to everybody who's watching This on youtube and rumble today i am excited to have a very very special guest on the show my brother-in-law ryan choate is here with me today ryan is a retired major in the u.s army and when i met him he was serving full-time and uh, we've got a long history together ryan is coming on to talk about what's going on uh, in the military today ryan welcome
1: thank you sis
0: i'm glad you're here
1: what a great opportunity
0: it's a lot of fun normally we're you know you're cooking brisket so this is different
1: Stepping out,
0: stepping out of the kitchen. Stepping out of the kitchen and into the studio. You guys, uh, you and my sister, have been uh, really just lifers in the military for a long time. So Haley has you know, amazing, amazing stories. We were looking at pictures of us you know, coming uh, flying out to Georgia and different places to sort of greet you. And you came home from different deployments. Uh, and we were talking the other day, and this is kind of what precipitated you coming on the show, just about how much things have changed. I mean, you're a West Point grad, and the military really bears little to no resemblance to the, to the military uh, when you first joined, right?
1: It is a complete overhaul from tooth to tail. It's uh, a massive change, at least in uh, how the Army is looking at, and probably the military as a whole, uh, the, the soldier and what our requirements are and uh, how we're approaching uh, the security of our country. And uh, worldwide security, because once when we were on top in terms of superiority as a military, uh, I think people are questioning that now, whether the U.S. still has that power.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and it certainly seems like uh, we're being threatened now from Russia and China. They smell weakness here at home. I mean, we can talk all day long about whether or not Biden's elevator goes all the way to the top. (laughs) I think that's a discussion for, did you see the video of him falling off his bike the other day? Oh my word. Is there any person on the planet who hasn't seen that? It's like a meme gold mine, you know, it's kind of a, wow, that's a, that's a bummer. I want to talk a little bit about um, how you decided to join the military because you ended up, you went to West Point. So you're not just an enlisted guy. You actually went to school. What was the thought process? So from the time that you were in high school, I would imagine later on in your high school years to determining this is what I want to do for a career. Well,
1: that's a very interesting story. I don't know if I ever shared this way to you. And it's very apropos that Top Gun 2 is out now.
0: Right. Did you see it yet?
1: So I have not.
0: I haven't seen it either. We should go. We should totally double date. It'll be fun.
1: Is that when I was approximately fourteen, when the original Top Gun movie went out, I mean came out, um, I was super excited about the military. I think I was fourteen at the time, and after I got home, I immediately wrote to the Air Force Academy, going, "I want to be a pilot because I had seen Tom Cruise do all." Because hello, Tom Cruise. Yeah. Well, I w- I wasn't fanboying the guy, but at the same time, I was super excited about. And that seed of service planted in me. And, and I thought it would be an honor uh, to be able to serve and protect my country. And throughout high school, we went through all the things. And I was a leadership guy through high school, took all the advanced classes, um, made sure my core packet was good enough to, to attend an academy, did well in the SATs, did, did all the things, all the extracurricular activities. But it was that seed that was planted from that movie. And my parents, of course, fostered that inside of me, uh, you know, saying that service was good. My father did not serve. My grandfather did serve in World War II. Uh, both grandfathers did. And it was one of those things where I, you know, I wanted to carry on that tradition of service. And it was always there. And everyone knew it, too. Um, so going to West Point was just the highest elevation peak that i could hey if i'm gonna go let's go all the way right so that's how i ended up at west point it all started with top gun
0: that is crazy
1: and it it was amazing is that the air force academy actually wrote wrote me back really and said hey you're a little young look (laughs) us back up (laughs) <laughs> um, we get to of and it just happened that uh, West Point was where I decided to go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you end up in the Army. Mm-hmm. It's, it is pretty fascinating. You know, I haven't seen uh, Top Gun yet, but ever, I think everybody in my, my family, my kids have seen it. You know, everybody's seen it but me. My life is so ridiculous right now. I don't get to go to the movies. But I think that we're seeing uh, that the country still really has a very deep-seated patriotism. It does. Because... Top Gun is actually blowing away the woke, you know, Toy Story 2 where we got to watch, you know, have, you know, gay families in there. And now they have put the gay kiss back in there. Nobody wants adult Toy Story, right? But that's what that's what they put out,
1: exactly,
0: right? But yet Top Gun, which uh, a lot of people in the progressive community said, ah, it's going to fail. Nobody cares about that. Oh, no. I mean, it's blowing every expectation out of the water, I think, at the box office right now.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, what they're trying to do with Top Gun and, and they nailed it on the head was that we, for the longest time, have been uh, subjective to the not the minority, but a very slim slice of society. Like we're trying to, the idea of inclusion is not completely bad, but the fact that we're trying to appease everyone all the time at a hundred percent, right? It's just not possible and not, it's not practical mm-hmm. from a cost or any other aspect, but what Top Gun does is it refocuses our center back onto what's really important in terms of exciting times, but at the same time, putting our country first, Mm -hmm. and I think that uh, a lot of people miss just being entertained Mm -hmm. and having our country on top, and just that idea that we're number one, right?
0: Yeah, and a and a love for for country. It's one of the things that I uh, so appreciated. You know, um, you know, Stephen Jane. They've been twice now to see <laughs> twice to see it, and he was telling me the other day that um, it just it kind of just reignites in people this love of country, which frankly the progressive left have been slowly whittling away at now for literally generations but the fact is we have a lot to be proud of in the united states and um and it's an amazing it's a remarkable country it's worth fighting for and we were talking about this at dinner with our kids the other day freedom doesn't defend itself right it's it's our job it's our job to defend it and so we're looking now at a generation of young people who like you at 14 years old are maybe they're going to see top gun yeah, right they are. And they're excited about him. You're not in your teens anymore. I mean, you and I, you know, we're getting old. I don't know what, whatever happened, but uh, we're getting up there. And I'm thinking about that 14-year-old boy or girl mm-hmm. who's gone to see Top Gun over the weekend. And they're going, hey, maybe I want to get into, maybe I want to get in the Air Force. Maybe I want to get into the service. And you've got kids, you know, you've got two boys. They could potentially... uh Want to go into uh, the service of our country in one of the branches of our military. And it really is an honorable profession. It is an honorable thing to do. But the military today is a shell of what it was when you were 14. Do you, do you, ha- I mean, describe the shift to me? Because when you went into West Point, it seemed like the attitude was different toward our country. It was different toward service. It was different toward human beings, right? But you hit the nail on the head. We're we're interested in diversity, equity, inclusion, right? DEI yep. is the new language of the woke military. And I would imagine that it's uh, changing, it's shifting the way that you see whether or not you even want your own kids to go into the military.
1: It is. And I have another unique perspective as I was a recruiting company commander as well. So just trying to... Convince moms and dads to give up their children to join the military. I did that for two years in a very tough market in in California during the surge in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. It was very challenging. Mm -hmm. But things have changed uh, pretty dramatically, I think, for um, the military and recruiting. Where I think we struggle as a country... And the military is doing this now. If you watch all the recruiting ads and the money that they're offering uh, new recruits.
0: Yeah, didn't you say it was like $50,000 sign-on bonus? That is correct. For goodness sake. That's bribery.
1: For guaranteed job choice. (laughs) Yeah. You know, whereas...
0: Guaranteed equal outcomes.
1: Yeah. Where, you know, you had to, based on how you scored and how you tested, you know... Uh, we, we steer away from that in the military now where we're trying to make everything is
0: getting a prize for participating. yeah
1: yeah cool. and the fact is is we're the military is there to be a war fighting machine, right've we We've drifted away from uh, the core focus you know as we're trying to you know remove rank structure. We the military functions based off a chain of command, right I follow orders as long as they're legal. In order to get an objective or a mission accomplished, um, now we by creating a ripple and it goes out through the military where we're trying to, you know, encourage everyone and respect everyone. That the fact is is I don't as a you want to have respect as an officer and the soldiers underneath you. That's important. However, it all does come down to the rank is on your sh- your shoulder. And that responsibility lies with you. So the outcome is based on that responsibility, right? Respect is something that you've earned from your soldiers from, you know, getting in the trenches with them, following through on your responsibilities to them and protecting them and making sure that they're outfitted correctly. Where we've drifted away from this is where they just kind of expect to be your friend. And we're going to go out and do this as a friendship mission. Well, the fact is, is when you pull triggers, you have to have confidence that your soldiers are going to follow your rules. And that is a healthy respect, but also that command authority. And what we've lost from what we used to have is that command authority is gone now. It's mm-hmm. diminished. Mm-hmm. It's eroded because of the choices that our military leaders are making. i got to be honest. General Austin, mm-hmm. our Secretary of Defense, I work for General Austin and mm-hmm. OIF-1. I was a battle captain underneath him, and I had a healthy respect for that man. He was intimidating. I was scared of him. I mean, but not just because he was a general, because he was smart, intelligent, made the right choices, had command presence when he walked into the room. What I see on TV now is not that man. Yeah. I don't know what turned the corner for him. If it was money or a thought process or just being invested into this woke methodology, Mm -hmm. I I honestly don't know. And I talked to other officers and other soldiers that work for him, and they're like, we don't know what
0: happened. Yeah, what the heck happened? Yeah. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, this is a great jumping off place because I really want to talk. With Ryan about the problem of a woke military and why we've got to turn the tide because when you go woke, uh, you go broke. And that's true. It's true uh, in movies and it's true in our military. We'll be right back. So, Ryan, before the break, you were talking about a commander that you worked under. I spoke to a guy who worked under Milley. And same thing. I mean, he was telling me he'd worked under General Milley, he'd gone to the the Pentagon with him and served under him. He said he was a different man under Trump than he is under Biden. Like the moment that that shift happened and President Trump was no longer the commander in chief and they knew Biden was going to come in, they basically issued orders. They came down through the ranks. And he said he literally switched overnight. So you were just saying, you know, I don't know what I don't know if it's the leadership. I don't know if it's, you know, just this wokeness in the military. But something that, you know, our families talk about over dinner a lot uh, is the problem that we're having right now with leadership in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, from STEM to Stern, we got a leadership crisis, and the military is no exception to that. So what is the problem? I mean, we, we're we watching this wokeness, which is ruining our country. I mean, it's it's ruining our education system, absolutely. It's ruining our um, our institutions. I mean, people don't trust the medical community anymore. You know, I was over at I had to go to uh, to the hospital last week for a couple of different reasons. And I was reading the intake forms and they want to know what gender you are. If you're if you're a man, I, I read an article in the paper the other day about a guy who had given blood for like 30 some odd years. And this 66 year old man and they asked him if he was pregnant. and He's like, I'm not answering that. That's a stupid question. And they won't let him give blood. Mm-hmm. So this is an issue. I mean – and it's – what we're doing is we're getting rid of people of conscience. We have a mutual friend in the military mm-hmm. who was just relieved of duty because he wouldn't take the shot, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So we're – so what's the problem when you – when you uh, because you've got boys and there are a lot of people listening to this right now whose kids are coming of age and they're out there watching Top Gun. Yep. And they're going to come home to their parents and say, hey, I'm interested in the military. What's your
1: – what's your take? You know – that's a difficult question to answer. Yeah. I know I'm going to be faced with it very soon with boys', you know, boys age is 8 and 12. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, I mean, 12 before,
0: to 18 goes by pretty quick.
1: They do. And I see the spark of that interest in their eyes, right? They see all the stuff. They see all my pictures on the wall. They see my flags, my saber from West Point. They, they want, they're very interested in the military and what Dad did. Yeah. Does that convert into something? I don't know. Um, where I think the military, and to answer your question, I'm going to circle right back to it, is that the military, by nature, we're inherently rule followers, mm-hmm. right? We understand that there's general orders, we're taught uh, standard operating procedures. We forever just follow the rules of what's handed down by our leaders, right? And that we are not uh, feel empowered in such a way to push back against that guidance. And unfortunately, that's kind of what I think uh, our nation, at least those who are conservative, uh, face the world. Right? We're we're rule followers. We don't want to color outside the lines. We don't want to. We look at the pros and cons, uh, and weigh whether us putting our neck on the line, which I know you're doing right now with your run for Congress, that we're afraid of the repercussions and what comes from that. Right. When we try to speak out, we'd rather just wait and receive that permission or those orders to make action happen. And that's just not happening right now. But to answer your question, what do you say to the parents out there? I think you encourage them. Um, where I would encourage people right now, if you have a son or daughter who wants to serve, I will look at National Guard service in one of the more reserved states because that's controlled by the governor, right? So if you want to serve, maybe you look at, Moving to a conservative state and putting them in the National Guard. Now that doesn't stop them from receiving military training and all of the
0: yeah, because it's in the whole of the military. It is. Yeah, it is.
1: But uh, that does protect them slightly from what's expected. Yeah, you know, maybe they don't get the full blast by doing that option.
0: Right. Um, I want to read something to you and get your get your feedback on National Review last June, so a year ago. A guy named Robert Berg wrote wrote for uh, National Review. He said, "I used to be I used to belong to a war fighting organization, where we were taught a, a shared set of army values. We were taught mission accomplishment before all else, enforced by quote mission first and people always." Within the Department of Defense Diversity and Inclusion Strategic Plan, we are told now that diversity is the strategic imperative, critical to mission readiness and accomplishment. We are also told by Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin... That it must be a priority for a priority rather for the military to look like America and not only in the ranks, but our leadership should look like America. On the surface it sounds okay, but it flips what had long been a soldier's commitment to the army and mission. The new priority turns the army into a social experiment at the cost of mission readiness. What say you?
1: It makes me sick. It does. Um And I think uh, a lot of my fellow veterans did just spend untold deployments away from families in Afghanistan and Iraq uh, where at the end, what was it all worth? Mm -hmm. What did we we get out of all those years invested or taxpayers invested Mm -hmm. in terms of cost, right? So how do we turn it around? I don't know. You know, we used to have... Uh, strategic policies so of being able to f- uh, fight a two-front war uh, conventionally. Um, right now, I don't think we could do one conventional war. Um, this Which will, is terrifying. It's it's scary. Yeah. It's scary. I think we have unparalleled equipment. Mm-hmm. Don't I? I think that we continue to advance that area, area, uh, both air, sea, land, that we continue to push the envelope. We have great engineers, and I think we have great people, scientists that are working very hard to protect the soldier and arm us with the right equipment. However, who's the guy pulling the trigger anymore, right? We don't know, and how much training he's receiving, and are we spending the dedicated time necessary to prepare him? Mm-hmm. Or her? Or it? In this case, we're allowing all sorts of things into the military right now Mm -hmm. that used to make it very easy for us to understand. I got to be honest when I was in the army, an armor company was all males that's changed now. So is the infantry. So all branches and all the respect to the female soldiers that have put their necks out there and tested and pushed themselves, serve in those positions. It was just, uh, it was a hard concept for me to get over Mm-hmm. to uh, where we started to have all-gender MOSs. Mm-hmm. Um, what MOSs? Military occupational skills.
0: I'm like, wait, this is a language I understand. Okay, okay.
1: So wh- what I was really uh, reserved about um, was the time I spent with my tank crew in Iraq, four people, four males in a tank. Um, there's a lot of personal things that are shared there, mm-hmm. not just space, but everything yeah yeah combat situation i would have the trust and confidence in you serving in my tank i just don't know if you want to see me at that core level
0: right of war
1: and then what's ingrained in us which is a new program that the military is trying to put into us is that we're just a person right a soldier and being able to take care of the soldier versus your your men of your unit or your mm-hmm. women of your unit and it's a blending that's taking too much time to reprogram mm-hmm,
0: us mm-hmm. instead
1: of focusing on the war fighting skills mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's a major deal. I am out of time for it today, but I'd love it if you come back tomorrow because because you touched on something that I think is is really important because we've been um talking about women in the military, mm-hmm. right? And now the Congress is talking about drafting women into the military. And something tells me you got an opinion on that. Would you come back tomorrow and we can pick this up where we left off? Sure, I'd love to, Sis. It's great to have you here. And uh, yeah, really an honor, Ryan, to have you in the studio. Thanks for coming by today. Mm You guys, for more information on uh, today's show, I'm going to link back to these articles, one in the National Review, uh, which I think is particularly excellent for those of you who are looking into your children, maybe uh, getting into the military. I'll link back to some of those uh, links in the show notes today. But I hope you guys will will pay attention to this conversation because it's becoming increasingly important as our nation is sliding more and more off of the rails and going into territory that is really putting our nation at risk. And so this is an important conversation and I want to thank Thank Ryan Choate again for coming on the show. Come back tomorrow, and we're going to talk about what it looks like to have women drafted into the military. Thanks for listening today, everybody, and I'll see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.